0: Good morning Lighthouse. Woo, I'm glad you're here this morning. I, uh, I, I know some of you are going, wow, we only sang one song this morning. It's because I have a super long sermon. So why are you laughing? I'm just kidding. I don't really. Uh, but we, the reason we did that is because we want to be able to lean into this day to follow up the message by worshiping the newborn king together. And so I'm super excited just to be able to share this message together. And I hope it speaks to your heart and challenges you the same way that it challenges me. Okay? And listen, as we start up, I just want you to know, if you don't hear anything else I say today, anything else I say this morning, just make sure you hear this, God loves you. God loves you, and I love Christmas season for so many reasons, but the greatest reason is because it's a reminder of that love that I keep telling you about every single week when Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to earth for the purpose of redeeming us to the Father. That's what Christmas is all about. So as we kind of lean into this and we talk about Christmas, I want to ask this question. What is your favorite thing about Christmas? What's your favorite thing? The thing that if there was, if, if it was taken away, if it was out of Christmas, you would think, well, this isn't really Christmas. What would that be? What would it be for you? Now, because I love you, I did some research. I went online. I figured out, I went through some different lists, top 10 lists of the things that people love about Christmas, and a lot of the same things we're on those lists, and so I compiled that list, and, and you may find yours. And In fact, I want you, on the count of three, I just want you to shout out your favorite thing about Christmas. Ready? I'll give you five seconds to think about it. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, ready? On the count of three, you're going to shout out your favorite thing. Shout it. One, two, three. Oh, that is cool. I have no idea what anybody said, except one person down here, which I think was probably Ricky. So I compiled the list, and in, this is not in any order because the different lists, they had these things in a different order, but most of the lists had these things on them food, right? I mean, if food was taken away from Christmas, that would be a big deal, all right? Being with family, snow, that's obvious for, obvious for people who live in places like California. Snow, Christmas music. Christmas movies decorating the tree Christmas parties there's so many things about Christmas that we absolutely love but the number one thing on many of the lists and obviously Jesus is number one we all know that and recognize that Jesus is number one but outside of that the number one thing on a, a lot of the different lists what do you think it was Uh, I heard a few people say it, presents, right? We love to give and receive presents. I've shared this about Sean before. Sean loves to give gifts. She has a gift for giving gifts. I have a gift for receiving gifts. So Christmas is a great season all around at our house, okay? But when we think about gifts, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Hold on a second. And why do you to think about this, at Christmas, followers of Jesus are only mirroring, we're only mirroring the generosity and love of our Father. When we think about all that Christmas is, and especially when we give gifts, we are only as Jesus followers, the giving of gifts is only mirroring the love and the generosity that God has for you and for me. heavenly father god is a gift giver he loves to give gifts okay and last week rick talked about spiritual gifts he talked about the gifts of the spirit and so today on this first sunday of december the second sunday of advent and the final Sunday that we will be talking about in our, uh, in our series, we'll be focusing on the Holy Spirit. I want to talk, it, is, it works out so well, this idea of God giving gifts, okay? And you're going to see the link here in just a moment. So, a little over 2,000 years ago, a promise was fulfilled, a promise was fulfilled... And a gift was given to all of humanity. Most of you here are familiar with that story. In Matthew chapter 1, it tells us that an angel of the Lord came to Joseph, a man, a carpenter, by the name of Joseph. A young man, he was probably maybe late teens, early 20s maybe, okay? And this angel of the Lord came to this young carpenter by the name of Joseph and said, Hey, listen... The woman that you are going to marry, that you're not actually married to yet, she is going to be pregnant. And she's going to be pregnant with the Son of God. Now, I know, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And it's easy for us to sit here today because we know the context. We know the entire story of what happened from there, right? That, that, that this child that was born was, in fact, the Son of God. But can you imagine in Joseph's time that a woman who got pregnant outside of marriage could literally be killed for that? Her betrothed, her future husband, could have her killed for that. And so this angel comes to Joseph and says, Listen, the woman that you are going to marry is pregnant, but don't don't worry, don't worry. She's pregnant with the Son of God. Like, that makes it better, right? Okay? And then the angel said this. He will be called Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel. God with us. For the Jews of that time, they had been waiting for this day. They had been waiting for the time that God would take on flesh and would come and would be With them. They remember, they remember, not like actually they were there, but they remembered from the stories of their ancestors that when God was with them, that God would show up in the daytime as a pillar of smoke and at night as a pillar of fire. But oh, the day when God would come and physically be with them. And Joseph heard from the angel, God's coming. God's coming. And he's going to be with you. He's going to be with everybody. We skip over to Luke, chapter 2, chapter 1, actually. Luke, chapter 1. And Joseph's betrothed a young woman. I mean, in her time, she would have been a young woman. In our time, she would have, we would have probably considered her still a girl. Because in all likelihood, she was 12, maybe young teens, Okay, now don't go getting judgy because that's how the culture was. All right, and and so the spirit of the Lord comes to this young woman Mary, and says to this young woman Mary, says, "Greetings to you, highly favored." Now you can imagine after the first idea and the first thought of terror in her mind that a ghost—not a ghost, but an angel of the Lord—shows up, and says, "Greetings." You, who are highly favored. It didn't help things at all. And then this angel begins to tell Mary what's going to happen. She, the angel kind of shares the same news with Mary that, that he shared with, with Joseph. And says, you are going to bear the Son of God. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. All right, That the Holy Spirit of God was going to come upon Mary. And that she would bear the Son of God. Now, meanwhile... Uh, in chapter two, we pick it up, and what happens is that Mary comes to full term, and the the Caesar of the time in Rome had decided that he wanted to get a census of the entirety of the Roman Empire, and so they decided he decided he wanted this this uh, he wanted to get the numbers, the census of what they had, and so every single person was commanded to go back to the familial ancestors' hometown, and so Joseph and Mary loaded up, most of us know the story, loaded up, and they went from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the city of David. And, and I was sharing with, the, with our elders and with our staff, we got together a couple nights ago uh, just to celebrate Christmas together. And, and I was talking, one of the things I love about God is that He is detail-oriented. He is the God of detail. There's nothing that's left Overturned, right, and as you look at it, as you read the scriptures, as you read the prophecies of the Old Testament, the Old Testament David God promised David that there would be someone on his throne that came from his bloodline, and that and that the the prophecy was that the that God in the flesh would be born in the city of David called Bethlehem, and indeed God fulfilled not just prophecy, but kept his word, Amen. and so Joseph and Mary make their way to Bethlehem, and there's a lot in this story that I could talk about contextually, but i don't have the time, okay um, as far as what it meant that there there was no room for the for them in the inn and they you know were they in a barn, were they in a cave where were there's a lot behind that I don 't have time to go into, but what you and I need to know is this there were animals around okay and and While Mary's giving birth, an angel shows up on a hillside among a group of shepherds. And this is my favorite part of the story. I've talked about this, and I'll talk about it almost every year. Because I love the fact that of all the people that God could have invited to the birth of his son, the king of kings, the lord of lords, God in the flesh, he didn't invite celebrities, he didn't invite kings, he didn't invite governors. He invited shepherds. The lowest of below, and it says that while these angels were out in the countryside watching over their sheep at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And it says if you remember in the Charlie Brown version they were sore afraid. I don't know what that means. It's like they were so afraid it was painful. I don't know. Okay, but they were they were they were terrified when this angel showed up. And the angel's like, whoa whoa whoa, easy easy easy, peace be with you. I have. Great news for you. In the city of David, a Savior has been born for you and all humanity. If you run right now, I'm paraphrasing, okay? If you run right now, you'll catch him. And you'll know who he is because he's a baby and he'll be wrapped in cloths and lying, not in a sanitary hospital bedroom. He won't be lying it, you know, in a really beautiful, precious little crib. He's going to be wrapped and laying in a feeding trough in a manger. It doesn't happen too often, okay? And so it says that the angels came together and they sang. How could they not sing? Which is what we're going to be doing in just a few minutes. They sang together. Glory to God. Glory to God. And then they were gone, and it was quiet. I think about five seconds and then the shepherds started going what are we doing we gotta go we gotta go and they run into Bethlehem and they find him they find him laying in a manger just like they were told and they worshiped him and then they went out and they told everybody about what the angel had told them and who they had seen and it says the people were amazed that very first Christmas morning God's gift to us. Now, yesterday, I was out. Uh, I I had a couple of different things I I had to do. As many of you know, uh, Nicole French, who's a a fantastic member on our staff here, her father passed away uh, last week, and um, so the staff and I, we went over and were with her, most of us were with her, um, to celebrate her dad's life, and I don't have a a lot of time to go into it, but I will say this. I told Nicole afterwards, I'm really bummed that I never got to meet your dad. And I want my funeral to be like his. I mean, there was laughter, there was celebration, it was a fantastic time together. But when I got done there, I had to do a little bit of shopping, so I drove down, not thinking of the time or the date, I drove down to that little strip mall where Chick-fil-A is on West you guys know which one I'm talking about? And apparently, apparently, all of, of Kalamazoo had the same idea I did. And they all decided to go shopping at the same time. And we all met together had a great time. It was, it was fantastic. Just log jam in the parking lot. You know, people not happy. Merry Christmas to you, buddy! You know, and I mean, it was, it, was, it was hard. It was rough. I couldn't believe it. And that, to me, is representative of what Christmas is today. You think back to that first Christmas morning quiet it's peaceful shepherds come in and worship jesus and you know it's pretty amazing to me yesterday i hadn't seen people and traffic and shoppers like i saw yesterday since about december 24th of 2020 okay and i mean look at you know i mean the lights are up We're singing the songs, the parties are starting, all of these different things are happening, and and we have gotten into the habit that the centerpiece is the presence. It's the buying and the giving of the presence. And so on this day, December 5th, I want to remind you of a a critical thought that you and I need to have, and I share this just about every year but I hope it gets us in the right mindset because you and I have probably heard this phrase or you've read it on the billboards or you've read it on buttons. You've probably seen it or heard it it before that Jesus is the reason for the season. Christmas time. Jesus is the reason for the season. And I don't want to step on anybody's toes here. I I don't want to create enemies i don't want to get death threats i don't want anything like that okay but the truth of the matter is this jesus is not the reason for the season you are the reason for the season you are now don't be getting all you know you know holy holier than thou and you're like that's right i am the reason for the season that's why people give me gifts right No, no no back it up a little bit Because it's a little darker than that. See, if it wasn't for my sin, if it wasn't for your sin, then Jesus never would have had to leave heaven. God never would have had to leave heaven to come to earth. Jesus would have never had to leave if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for the things in our lives that separate us from God. But the fact of the matter is that God loves you and me so much that he left eternity, he left glory, he left paradise, and he came to this little blue marble on the outskirts of the universe because he loves you. That's why. And so, my friends, you are the reason... For the season. And and truly, as I think about this, the truth of the matter is the gift that we received on that very first Christmas was not a baby. It was life. Yeah. It was life. It was the gift that God gave to us. And I hope that in the coming weeks and in the coming days, you will make out some time. You will carve out some time. Maybe it's the little bit of time that you, you were, you know, Extra time you're going to spend shopping or cooking or wrapping. And maybe you'll step back and you'll take a deep breath and you'll close your eyes and you'll think about this. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Now that's love. And that's why Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to give us, he he lived on earth, he was born, he lived on earth, he died a horrific death, and he rose again to give you and me the template of how to live this life. Which is where the second gift of God comes in. The second critical and most important gift of God is the unleashing of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about is the unleashing of God's Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus was telling his disciples, maybe you remember that, okay? In John chapter 16, it says, but very truly I tell you, it's for your good. He's talking to his disciples, he's preparing them that he's gonna die. He's gonna die, he's gonna die die a horrific death. I'm doing this, I'm telling you this, and it's for your own good that I'm going. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's the promise that Jesus made. That he wasn't going to be here all the time, physically. But the Holy Spirit would come to fill us so that we could live the life that God created us to live. In fact... Jesus told them in Acts. He talked about this in Acts. It says in Acts chapter 1, on one occasion while uh, Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the original Christmas gift, tells the disciples, wait in Jerusalem wait in Jerusalem wait for what what are they waiting for it's awesome because it's another gift wait for the gift my father promised there's another gift coming it's almost kind of like you had to bribe them because listen they were sad they were upset they were bummed out however you want to say it that Jesus was going to be leaving them and he says no, no 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 listen there's another gift coming There's another gift coming. Wait in Jerusalem for that gift. There's another gift that God gave to those disciples, and he gives to you and to me. But that second gift, you ready for this? That second gift is predicated on the first gift. You can't have the second gift without the first gift. You have to have the first gift to have the second gift. Otherwise, if you don't have the first gift, the second gift doesn't make sense. The first gift was born on that first Christmas morning. The the gift of eternal life is Jesus Christ. But in order to live this life, we've got to have the second gift, and that's the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Jesus life comes down to. Ready? This is what the Jesus life comes down to. See, there are a lot of quote-unquote Christians who see Jesus as their get-out-of-hell-free card, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that think, well, you know, if I just, if I just pray before meals, if, if, you know, if I carry around my Bible, if, if I go to church, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right because I got Jesus. And they see Jesus kind of like a four-leaf clover, or a rabbit's foot, right? Or a get-out-of-hell-free card. All i got to do is when I get to heaven, say the name Jesus like the lucky password, and boom, those pearly gates open wide open, right? No, that's not how it is, my friends. That's not how it works. That's not how it goes. That's not how the Jesus life works. And that's not God's expectations for us. In fact, Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commands. It's not enough just to know the name. If you love me, you will act like me. And you and I look at that and go, if you read the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you and I both know that that's darn near impossible. There's no way that in and of myself I can live that life. If you love me, keep my commands. I think i would probably broken four of them this morning on my way to church, okay? Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask, because he knows. Jesus knows I can't do it. I'm looking at Aaron Conant. You can't do it either, brother, all right? All right, I'm looking around. I know, I know. I can't do it. You can't do it. And Jesus says, I know you. Can. if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And because you can't, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, which is another name for the Holy Spirit. I will, he will give you the Holy Spirit to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I imagine that if I ask this question, if I ask this question, do you want to live like Jesus? Yes. Do you want to live like Jesus? Yes. I believe that a lot of us here would say yes. Absolutely. The problem with our answer is that we keep trying and we keep thinking that we can live that Jesus life in our own power, and it is impossible. It is impossible to follow the commands of Jesus and live them out fully on my own power. And God knew that. That's why God's Holy Spirit came to be with us and in us, to empower us to live that kind of life. That's why the Holy Spirit came. And I kind of look at it this way, that, that life claiming the name of jesus but not having the holy spirit is kind of like this glass right i mean this glass is nice and this is this is doug's life claiming jesus doug's life is jesus jesus is my lord but you know and this glass when you think about it is really kind of useless right it's useless this represents the holy spirit and this life, or this, this glass, gets its purpose when it begins to get filled. Now, I'm not going to overflow this, because I don't want to freak some of you out, all right? But this glass begins to fulfill its purpose. It becomes useful when it's filled with water. It brings life. It brings, it brings sustenance. It brings refreshment. And my friends, too many of us are satisfied with this life right here. That's it. We're, we're happy. A couple drops of the Holy Spirit and I'm good to go. And the fact of the matter is that my life, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to say you. because I don't want you getting mad at me. My life is useless without this. This is useless without this. My life is useless without this. In just claiming the name of Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I know that for some of us, we are frustrated in life. We're hurting in life. We don't know why I don't have that peace that surpasses all understanding that God talked about. Where is it? Where's my contentment in life? Where's my happiness? Where's my joy? And we keep keep trying to... Fill that God-shaped hole within us with everything but God. We keep trying to fill it with work. We keep trying to fill it with other relationships. We keep trying to fill it with material possessions. We keep trying to fill it with all of these things. It's like trying to force a square peg into a round hole. It's not going to work. The only way you and I will have everything that we desire... And I'm not talking material possessions. This is not prosperity gospel. I'm going to tell you what. That early church, most of those Christians died poor. Financially. But they died wealthy in the kingdom. And the reason they did, and the reason why they could burn on on stakes in Rome... Why Peter could be hung upside down, why they could live through being beheaded and burned and and all kinds of torture that you and I could never bear. The reason why they could do it and not recant their faith is because of the Holy Spirit. They had everything they wanted and they knew more was to come. That's how it's by the Holy Spirit. We're not just, when we claim the name of Jesus, we're not just saved from sin and death. We are saved for holiness and eternity. Amen. That we look like God. In fact, I love what James wrote. James, the brother of Jesus, uh, said this. Not this, I wrote that. But Because we all know that there's a big difference between accepting Jesus and following Jesus. Accepting Jesus is different from following Jesus, right? I can accept that the speed limit's 70. Are you tracking with me? I can accept that the speed limit's 70, but following the speed limit sometimes is kind of rough. Accepting Jesus is different from following Jesus. And James said this, "You believe that there is one God, good." Even the demons believe that and shudder. It's not enough to just believe in Jesus. Our lives have to match. We have to do what Jesus said. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. You will follow me. And to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. So, my friends, it all comes down to this. As a follower of Jesus, I'm either living for him or I'm not. I'm either living for Jesus. Or I'm not there's no middle ground. There's no I live for him. Sometimes either you do or you don't That's not saying that you're perfect or I'm perfect. I make mistakes, but man, I'm trying I'm working hard to follow him every step in every day And the only way to live for Jesus is by utilizing that second gift that God gave us And that's the Holy Spirit the only way to live that life Is to utilize the second gift that God gave us. And that's the Holy Spirit. As a follower of Jesus, you cannot live for Jesus without the filling of the Holy Spirit. As a follower of Jesus, you cannot live the life of Jesus without the filling of the Holy Spirit. So as we wrap up this section, talking about the Holy Spirit, I just want to ask us one final question. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because it's evident if you are. Regardless of what's going on around your life, there's still joy in our lives. Regardless of, of the chaos of life, of jobs and, and masks and, and variants and and you know crazy things that are going on, I still have peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding because I have the Holy Spirit. I have contentment. Even though I may not like my job, I may not like what I'm doing, I still have a contentment. All of that comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the filling of the Holy Spirit. And my life is going to exhibit Jesus only when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So the question remains, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'll give you something that only the bravest of us are going to do. And it's this that you would ask somebody that you're very close to to do something for you ask them this question can you tell that i'm a different person because of jesus in my life just ask that question do do i act like a christian do I act like a Jesus follower? Not, not like what we're told about on the news and not by, you know, the picketers. And all, but do, does my life look any different than our neighbor's life? Does my life look any different? Could you, can you tell that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? And ask them to tell you truthfully. That you're not going to get mad at them. You're not going to get defensive. I need to know the truth. And then you'll find out the truth about your life. If you are actually filled with the Spirit, because it's evident in how we live. God's two great gifts. The first gift was on Christmas morning. The second gift was given at the birth of the early church. And my friends, it's reason to celebrate. Because the first one gave us life, and the second one gave us power to live that life. And so I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. I've got three questions for you. Okay, the first question is this, what are you hoping to get for Christmas this year? What are you hoping to get for Christmas this year? The second one, more important, are you living in God's second gift to you? Are you living in God's second gift to you, the power of the Holy Spirit? And the third question, what's keeping you from being completely and perpetually filled with the Holy Spirit? Is there some kind of wall there? Is there something that's blocking the Holy Spirit? Is it doubt in your life? Is it is it pride in your life? What is it that keeps you from being filled perpetually and completely with the Holy Spirit? Father, thank you for this day and this opportunity to come before you. And God, as, as we have talked about the Holy Spirit, I know that, that for me, one of the things that has been so... Um, Convicting is the idea of surrendering and submitting to you. And God, you know I try to do that every single day. Because I know, Jesus, that you said, if I love you, I'm going to keep your commandments. And I know, Father, that your expectation is that I'm going to look like the Son. And the fact of the matter is that I can't look like the Son on my own power. I have to have your Holy Spirit in order to live. And so, God, I pray and I beg you, please continue to fill me to overflowing With your Holy Spirit. That I wouldn't be an empty vessel. That I wouldn't be a person who just claims a get out of hell free card. But I would live the life of my Savior in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thus opening the eyes of other people who have no hope. To the hope that is before them in Jesus. Holy Spirit I pray that you would blow up in Lighthouse. That you would blow up in my life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that Lighthouse would look different because the people who go to this church are filled with you. Yeah. That we love people the way you love them. That we live self-sacrificially. That we give generously. That we love unconditionally. That we hug the unhuggable. That we talk to the the people who are oppressed and marginalized. And by doing these things, we look exactly like our Savior. May it be so. I pray in your name, Jesus, in your power, Holy Spirit, in your glory, Father. We love you. and give praise to you.